your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 311 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. A busy weekend for the Ottawa Senators. Saturday, huge win. Timmy Superstar, first NHL hat trick. And then Sunday could not have been more different. A lackluster performance, to say the least. A 6-1 loss to the Calgary Flames. We'll have a full breakdown of both of those games, as well as the Belleville Senators, who were in action on Friday night. It was the return of Ridley Gregg. Igor Sokolov got on the board as well. And Mad Sogart still undefeated in North American pro hockey. So tons of recaps to do. We also have a fun Twitter question that we want to put out there. And that is, what is your most unpopular Sens opinion? And there were a lot of them, so we'll highlight some and get into all that. Our own as well. Caulfield, you think? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Monday, May 10th in Pilsy. The Ottawa Senators were certainly due for a stinker after a 9-2-1 record after the trade deadline, but let's start with Saturday's game. A little more fun, eh? Yeah, I mean, this whole season has been an absolute roller coaster ride for uh, the Ottawa Senators and Sens fans, so this weekend was no different. We went all the way to the top of that roller coaster, the Timmy Stutzla hat trick, and then the Flames came in, and we rode that thing all the way back down to earth. And yeah, let's let's get into the Saturday game because you you guys know us, Send Central, Locked On Senators. We're a positive mindset podcast, so let's hit those positives first. I mean, geez, three goals, uh, your first career NHL hat trick. That's one hell of a feat for the young superstar. He became the youngest in franchise history. To record a hat trick at 19 years, about 130 days. The only other teenagers to ever accomplish that feat were Martin Havlat and Alexander Dagg. And Dagg was like two days away from being 20 years old. So just the runway that this kid has and the ceiling is so high. It was great to see him rewarded with that empty netter. Credit to Connor Brown for picking that puck out of thin air in the neutral zone. And that was his third point of the night. So Connor Brown stays red hot. That entire line, Shane Pinto had his first multi-point game in the National Hockey League. He's up to six points in, well, now 11 games, but 10 at the time. So they were rolling in that game. What do you like most about what that trio brings? Yeah, that line was looking so good. They they kind of seem to have fit into the second line of this Ottawa Centers forward group. And just quickly before we get onto that line, Tim Stutzla, also the only teenager in Sens history to have an empty net goal. That's a fun stat brought to you by Ian Mendez, of course. He loves the empty net stats. I think it's hilarious. He's got all those covered. And but the really the telling part of that stat is 
Ross, how many times is a teenager on the ice protecting a one goal lead when the other team has a six on five opportunity? Not very often, unless you got the hot hand and you got two goals already and could have had three multiple times. So DJ Smith knows he's got to get him out there. And yeah, like you said, that line, Pinto with Stutzla and Connor Brown beside him was just absolutely on fire. Let's go chronologically here too, because before Stutzla got his first of three, which by the way, put him into double digits, Connor Brown hit 20 goals on the season. An incredible run for Connor Brown, tying his rookie career high when he hit 20 in 82 games. And now here he is doing it in 53 games. It's a crazy accomplishment for Connor Brown. And it was a beauty goal too. Yep, a nice deflection uh, on an Eric Branstrom shot that he just gets a piece of. So you love to see that. And the next goal that Stutzla gets is a similar play. Zub shot from the point. Stutzla gets the perfect ramp. Like that's that's a great feeling as a player too. When you just lightly have your stick hanging out and you give it a little bit of an angle and the defenseman hits it perfectly, that goes top shelf. And that was his first goal of the night. It was 2-0 after the first period in the second. Philly franchise was unreal. And that's all to say after Mason Appleton opened the scoring for Winnipeg. But it was at the end of the period with under a minute left where you're one-on-one against the Jets' best shooter. Kyle Connor is in on a partial break. Most goalies panic. And you saw Gustin about to go for the poke check. Thinks better of it. Instead of going down, just covering the lower part of the net and hoping for the best, he stays up tall and really causes Kyle Connor to run out of real estate. And we talked about this in our locker room chat and kind of that what we were saying was that's an impressive play because like you said, one-on-one, you got an elite sniper up against a younger goalie and most goalies would, would panic, like you said. And his confidence is at a point where he's like, I don't need to throw myself out of position to try to stop this chance from even happening. I'll give him time and space with the puck, but I'm going to stick with him every inch of the way. And that's what he does. And he comes up with a big save. Ottawa was able to double their lead too. Stutzla, who else? His second of the game for Brown and Pinto. And then things got a little iffy because Mark Shifley on a partial break. Great pass by Blake Wheeler with just under a minute left, making it a one goal game. So you start to grip the sticks or if you're DJ Smith, You go right back to the line with the 19-year-old, the 20-year-old, and your most reliable player in Connor Brown. And what do they do? Draw a penalty. And Stutzla did just that. And he could have had a chance at the empty net. Instead, he waits, and then they get the extra man out there. And he gets it anyways with six seconds left. Hits the puck line as well. Danka. Ah, yeah, Danka. That's it, Ross. And uh, yeah, that was actually huge because I think a lot of Sens fans had the puck line on that game. Or at least if you listen to our show and uh, follow along at Sens Central, you were, you were hammering the, uh, the bets for betonline.ag for the Sens that night. Plus 400 on the Sens puck line. It was truly incredible. And then we thought we doubled down last night. The Sens plus 165 at BetOnline, but... Seriously, a schedule loss, Pilsy. Uh, anything else you want to note on the Winnipeg game before we have to, uh, you know, break down whatever that was on Sunday night? But let's stay in our happy place just for a little while longer here, Ross. Shane Pinto, yes, he is first multi-point night, but also 75% in the dot. He went six for eight, four for four in the neutral zone. Like, we talked about it on the locker room uh, chat. Guys, you make sure you're getting to those chats. I mean, no more Saturday games after this, unfortunately, but that's when we break down the weekend games. But 
it was great because that gives that line an opportunity to start with the puck. You're not chasing, you're not on your heels. And when you have two rookies, especially a rookie centerman who's only played a handful of games, when you're losing those draws and starting on your heels, that's tough. Shift in and shift out. So Pinto, he's kind of had an up down kind of uh, stats wise with his face offs, but that certainly was one of his best at 75%. He was unreal, and you can just see him getting more and more comfortable. So our Central standouts from last, from the Saturday game were Timmy Stutzla, Shane Pinto, Connor Brown, and Philip Gustafson needs to get some credit as well, making 27 saves and a lot of grade-A chances in the middle frame to keep them up 2-1. to one. You know what? You can say what you want about the usage on the back end and JBD. Ole Alsey, I thought both of them looked solid. They had some great plays to keep the puck in the blue line and some some d2d plays in the offensive zone jbd was plus two in 11 minutes and 53 seconds on saturday and that's the only positive tie-in i have to sunday's game pilsy as we roll into that 6-1 loss in calgary a home game of sorts for jbd who's a canmore boy so just up the street he was a plus one in a 6-1 loss pilsy and he played a career high over 17 minutes dj smith said he was the best defenseman on the ice and well, I would argue he was the best senator on the ice, and the list wasn't long to choose from. Now we're, we're leaving our happy place, and it's hello, darkness, our old friend. It's those cold, dark January nights all over again, and that's the Sens team we saw last night, and it was tough to watch. If this wasn't the second last game of the season, I think I would have went to bed for that third period because yeah. that was just garbage. But, uh, yeah, sticking on JBD, very positive things we saw from him. Like that one play, I think uh, you you clipped it and Leems Martian as well of him just dancing with the puck from basically Behind end to end. end. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting through the entire Flames roster essentially was an amazing play. I thought he had a couple really good offensive chances as well. So JBD, I mean, that's that's probably the only standout, as, as you said. Yeah. Uh, three shots on goal for him. And the rest of that decor was tough. Like... Zub, another tough night. I didn't like his game in Winnipeg. And then Zaitsev, another uh, tough game for him too. I know we were saying this decor looks okay without Shabbat, but I think after the first two games, Zaitsev and Zub were really starting to feel that pressure of holding that decor on their shoulders. I mean, Zub is a rookie himself. Like, sure, he's a gold medalist. So we never forget that. He's got <laughs> a lot of KHL experience, which is great experience, but his first season in the NHL and expected to kind of shoulder the weight and responsibility of being a shutdown guy in a top four role without Thomas Shabbat is a lot to ask for him. So I, I kind of give him a free pass here, but certainly this was a this was a schedule loss for the Sens and the Flames they had to stay alive to well stay alive in the playoff race like they're they have to win out and Montreal has to lose out so every single game matters and for once this season Ross the Flames didn't play like a stale team they were firing on all cylinders they were and what sucked too is that first period they a they were lucky to be out one nothing afterwards because the Flames hit about four posts. What two, two on the same shift? Both shots from Giordano. That was crazy. And then the Sens, their best offensive zone time of the period. They actually snapped it around a little bit. There was a tic tac play, and Stutzla almost got his stick on a puck in front of the net. The play goes the other way, and it's one nothing in the back of the net. Goudreau made a great play. It was an awesome back check by Victor Mete, but still, you got to give stick taps there to to Johnny Hockey. That was a a good finish on that play. 
Yeah, but I I mean, we're a goalie-friendly show, but that's one Forsberg's got to have because you got to read that play. Yes, Johnny Hockey's coming in there hot. Like, he's hitting Formington speeds, high 30s kilometers an hour. Like, the speed is a factor for sure. I, I can understand that, and it's a lot easier for us to watch it and say he should have been able to keep up with that. But like you said, Mete has a really good back check, and you got to see his skating speed there as he's basically – he's not keeping up with him, but he's only a step or two behind him, which is pretty impressive seeing as Johnny Hockey started that play in stride and Mete was flat-footed. So Mete does a good job of holding Johnny Goudreau wide. He cuts off that middle angle and even puts some body contact in him to say, look – you're faster than me right now, but there's no way in hell I'm letting you get to the middle. And Forsberg should have been able to read that. Johnny Hockey's only play is a backhand deep. That's all he can do unless he hits the brakes and stops and waits for support. But he's not going to do that at that point when you're at that speed. So for Forsberg to slide over in his butterfly and not have his stick down and ready, that's just a really disappointing play that set up the rest of the way this night went for Anton. Well, not only that, and he got pulled in the game. It's only the fourth time, I want to say, a Sens goalie has been pulled. I'm looking at the the stats right now, and it looks like Joey Decord went in twice when he didn't start. Matt Murray went in twice when he didn't start, as did Gustafson. But I know at least one of those was uh, when Murray got hurt uh, in in the first period of, of a game there. So, you know, DJ Smith lets his goalies tough it out, and I actually appreciate that in a guy not going in and grabbing him. He could have done it many nights early. I think Hogberg was uh, the recipient. He was pulled three or four times uh, earlier on in the season that, and deservedly at that. But to me, this game got out of hand at 2 nothing. Like at that point, 17 seconds into the second period, you're like, okay, they got out of that first somehow just down to one nothing, Somehow, some way. And then before you even blink, first shift of the second period, and all of a sudden your top line's a dash two already on the night. And it just snowballed from there because they go from 2 nothing to 3 nothing three minutes later. And on that goal, Eric Brandstrom, any hater of him, will show you that highlight because Matthew Kachuk just pushes him out of the way and then gets the puck and puts it right in the back of the net. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to touch on. Like, there's, there's two sides of this argument. There's uh, the, the analytical small skill size argument that uh, shows that Brandstrom does a lot of good things. And then there's the mean tough gritty hockey fan that says yeah I don't care about those fancy numbers Kachuk took one second to shove him out of the play and scored that's hockey like you know those are the two sides of the arguments and that's the thing like I love what Brandstrom has done lately I talked about the weight that Zub and Zaitsev have had Brandstrom's had a massive weight on his shoulders with Shabbat being out he's now anchoring the top power play he's playing more minutes than he ever has so that's been tough on him but all it takes is one second for a small guy like that to get taken out of the play and for Matthew Kachuk to take advantage of him. If that's a guy who's six, six foot two, 200 pounds, that play doesn't knock him out of the play. It, it, it might, it might uh, kind of hinder him stopping that, but it doesn't knock him out of the play as easily as Branson was there. Yeah, I know Sens fans probably don't want to hear this, but if that's Josh Brown, it's still 2 nothing instead mm-hmm. of 3 at, at that point. Honestly, though, honestly, that's it sucks to say, but that's that's as simple as it is. Like, I'm not going to – I'm not saying Eric oh, Branson sucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, take it easy here. But, like, that's just an example of a guy who's small and relied upon to play against the toughest – uh, opponents matchups is gonna get guys like Matthew Kachuk against him and that is going to happen so hopefully uh, the franchise can get in the weight room with Drake Batherson Matthew Kachuk some of these guys and put on some sizes in, in the offseason because 
that play shows you he is going to need it. It is worth noting that Eric Branson played a career-high 24-49 in Saturday's game. So Sunday, second half back-to-back with travel. You know what? We single him out in this moment, but the whole team just didn't have it. Like, you can go up and down this lineup, and there's just too many no-shows for that night. One thing that I was happy to see, though, in this game was Connor Brown wearing an A for the first time this season. We had seen it on Zaitsev. With Shabbat out, just, you know, our thoughts is that you keep it on the blue line so that you have some sort of leadership back there uh, in terms of a letter, and they're on the ice a little bit longer. But I thought it was a great move to reward Connor Brown for the incredible season that he's having. For sure. And I think uh, if DJ Smith could reward Connor Brown even more than giving him a letter, I'm sure he would. Like, he's done everything that DJ has asked and more. So it's, it's been a great season for Connor Brown, and you love to see him get some praise. We're seeing a lot of growth in Connor Brown's game, and we can see growth in your savings as well if you go check out Wealthfront because Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diverse, low-index cost funds personalized for you in just minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They are automatically handle the, all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com backslash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com backslash locked on NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. That's Wealthfront.com backslash locked on NHL and get started today. All right, Pillsy, a couple notes to finish off that Sunday game. My goodness, I can't believe we're still talking about it. But it ends an incredible streak. The Ottawa Senators had scored the opening goal in a game in six straight and 10 of 11 games since the trade deadline. And, of course, that was snapped. But that's a pretty incredible accomplishment for a team that barely scored first in the first half of the season. Yeah, it is wild when you're thinking back to what this team was like at the start of the season and for them to be as hot as they are to finish it off is just incredible. But talking about that streak being snapped, at least all that mattered is they kept one streak alive. Your Ottawa Senators are still the only team in the NHL to not get shut out in a game this season. That's that's a crazy one for a team that's kind of low in the standings like the Sens. They never, never had a zero on the board. And not only that, but I feel like they've been the only team that hasn't been shut out for like two or three weeks now. It's not like a lot of teams have accomplished this and then they're slowly going down. I feel like it was in like March. It's been over a month since, the, since they've been the only team. 
and you know they're not going to get shut out by the Leafs. So oh my that, that God. streak is going to live on, that's for sure. So we'll uh, we'll contact Sense Communication, get the ra- the uh, the banner built, designed, <laughs> and uh, we'll put that one in the Raptors for the 2020-2021 season. The only question that remains, Dean, is where are we going to put the statue with a puck in a net? I think that's uh, ideal for that. And while they're at it, maybe they can update the banners outside the CTC. I don't know if you saw, they still have Borvietsky, Hainsey, Craig Anderson banners right outside. I you guess think they would right. at least take them down. Like, well, why keep them up? Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. But the Senators also ended their road portion of the season. They'll finish off the 2021 campaign at home on Wednesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they finished the road. Nine wins, 18 losses, and one overtime loss. Good for 27th in the league. But Vancouver still able to jump them they still actually have five road games remaining everyone else is all set in stone so either 27th or 28th best road record in the league but you contrast that and they've actually played really well at home we'll get you those stats on Thursday's show after the season concludes still lots of great coverage coming up here with Brandon and I on Locked On Senators we've got the draft lottery June 2nd it's coming up fast and that's a spin zone I saw out on Twitter last night you know, this, this win's been great. You know, you set the tone, but a loss or two doesn't hurt because right now the Senators have the seventh best odds at a top two pick. But not only that, you don't want to pick at 12, 13, 14, although that would be a bit of a stretch. So I saw that as a little bit of a spin zone last night, but I'm all hands on deck and all money on deck at Bet Online when it comes to betting on the Senators on Wednesday, especially if you heard Brady Kachuk's postgame. They are going to be ready to rock and roll. But Pilsy, not only that, the Belleville Senators, they keep winning. They're 3-0 since Mad Sogard joined the team. They've got six games left. We're going to see Robbie Yarventi. But the main takeaway, we're not going to recap a game that happened on Friday play-by-play, but Igor Sokolov scored a goal that beats, I would say, 95% of NHL goalies. Logan Brown had two points. Let's let's stay there for a second. Logan Brown, what would you see from him on Friday night? Could he... Stay in Ottawa after this summer, or is it just too little too late for Logan Brown? It's it's so tough to say. I mean, I think that's one of the more interesting storylines. Like, the, the intrigue around Logan Brown has been more, um, you know, hyped up than his anything he's ever done on the ice. Is he taking the title of mythical creature? From yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. But the mythical creature headed out of his cave, his lair, his den, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure what uh, what uh, sort of living arrangement the mythical creature of Logan Brown probably has. the hospital. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, the training room. Yeah, yeah. But hey, he's 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 going strong, and he's been playing well since he's returned. And you know, maybe not up to expectations, but you got to kind of move the goalposts a bit for Logan Brown because he's not the same guy we thought he was going to be at the start of this season. And and that's okay. You got to react to it. But he got his first goal of the season. That's got to feel good for him. Like, oh my God. Sure, getting assists, like, that's nice. That's a nice little feather in your cap. But if he would have finished this season in Belleville, mind you, he'd missed a lot of games without a goal. Oh, I don't know what you do at that point. Yeah, me neither. But the guy who facilitated a goal on his assist, Igor Sokolov, right now, in terms of all under-21 players in the AHL, and there's a lot of them this year because the OHL is not up and running, so those guys are there. And that includes Arthur Kaliev, the guy who the Sens passed on to select Shane Pinto and caused Twitter to just go insane. He's such a goal scorer. Well, Igor Sokolov 
has more goals than Arthur Kaliev and any under 21 AHL player. I think that is an incredible statistic. Yeah, me too. But I, I'm not surprised. Like no. when we talk, when we talk to Igor, when Igor, I mean, maybe not when Igor is drafted. I think we had high hopes when he's drafted. But once we start to get to realize what this kid's all about, we talked to other people from Cape Breton, and they told us all about Igor. Like you could tell, this guy was something special. Like he wasn't just an overage or Russian overage Russian taking advantage of uh, a weak kind of CHL division or you know that he was older and bigger and stronger like this kid had the tools to become a good hockey player at a pro level and that shot was the clear sign of it like like you said that goal he scored most NHL goalies would not have been able to stop that shot I don't know what he does but he puts his weight in those wrist shots like the momentum that he gets with just firing a wrist shot like I would like to see Sokolov hammer a couple slap shots I I can't say I've really seen him kind of wind up and just blast one I would be interested to see just what happens there I mean the stick will probably spontaneously combust at that point we say he looks like Mark Stone he shoots like Mike Hoffman and he's as likable as Kyle Turris put that all together and you get Igor Sokolov he played right wing on a line with Matthew Pekka and Ridley Gregg returned to the AHL. He played center on the second unit. And just for, for co- completeness sake, it was Logan Brown between Logan Shaw and Angus Crookshank uh, to round out the top six. But Ridley Gregg had one shot, was dash one. But after his, what, 29,000th quarantine, you give him a little, a little leeway and let's see what he can do this upcoming stretch because the Senators, Belleville that is, plays Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they've got three straight games this weekend. That is perfect for Sens fans who are a little hungover after the 56-game season concludes for Ottawa on Wednesday. So we'll be all over that. We're going to ask Tony Ferrari a couple Belleville questions. Remember, he was pretty high on Mark Kastelik. So we'll see how he thinks his trajectory has improved, and we'll get some more takes on that. We'll also cover the world under-18s with him. A lot of draft eligibles there. And it's draft season, you know that, as the the NHL campaign winds down. So a lot coming up with Tony Ferrari. And we also have a really fun segment coming up because we tweeted out just for fun the other day, what's your most unpopular sense opinion? I was shocked at the amount of replies. Over 60 of you had your unpopular opinions you wanted to get out. So we're going to read a few and get our own takes on that coming up, but I got to power up first. I need a built bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built bars come in 16 amazing flavors as well. People are tweeting us every day saying, man, built bars, aren't they underrated? Yeah, they are. And you can get some too in a mix box. Like I would recommend bars are hundred percent covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew built bars. They're also great for the health conscious guy or girl. Sometimes you see, you know, protein bars, they have so much sugar in them. No, not built bar. Low sugary, low calorie, high protein, high fiber, everything you want in a protein bar, and you can get yours today. Pilsy, lead these people in the right direction. What is Pilsy's pick of the day? Well, there's so many good flavors to choose from, and as this season is winding down, I must have profiled at least every flavor two or three times because Built Bar has been a long-standing sponsor with us, and for a good reason. Good podcast, good protein bar, it's the perfect combo. And today, I'm going to 
let you guys know about Cherry Barcia. That's one of the flavors that may be on the surface. You're like ch cherry and chocolate. I'm not so sure about that. But Built Bar does a great job with their fruit flavors. And Cherry Barcia, I think, is one that uh, surprises people when they have it. Maybe it's not one you specifically select in your mix box. But if you get a mix box and you get the opportunity to try it, I'm sure you're going to love it. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Go get a mix box of Built Bars today and try out Cherry Barcia. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. All right, guys, the NHL season is winding down, sadly, for Ottawa Senators fans. But there's still some hockey left to be played. Most of all the playoff positions are locked up other than the North Division. But where it gets interesting is we already kind of know some of the matchups. So we can look ahead and see if we can get a little insight on some of those. And the best place to find your odds is betonline.ag, the exclusive sports betting site for the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. The Locked On Senators podcast is all over it. Hopefully you guys caught the wave of the Sens money line. They've been hot the last 10 games. So that's been putting some green numbers into your account. And we don't want you to sit on the sidelines. Like if you're watching us tweet out that we're just ragging in the riches from betting on the Sens, don't just watch, be a part of it. And what better way to be a part of it than to get free money from our friends at betonline.ag. Let me tell you how you can do that. You can go betonline.ag, sign up today for a free account and use the promo code locked on. When you're making your account, they'll give you an option for a promo, for a promo code and all caps locked on. And they're going to give you 50% welcome bonus just for being a listener of the Locked On Senders podcast. How's that for a reward? So if you put in $100, you're going to get $50 for free. You got $150 in your account to play with and stock up for the playoffs. The playoffs is going to be so much fun. I like doing future bets in the playoffs and then seeing if they can increase in value and seeing if I want to, if I want to keep riding it or change my favorite pick. All these kinds of things are possible on BetOnline.ag. And my favorite part is trying to hit together a parlay. So let's head over to Pillsy's parlay of the day. Guys, two of the matchups in the division with the Florida teams and Carolina and Nashville. Both of them are heading up against each other tonight. So let's get some action on that to get ourselves ready for the playoffs. Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers, for the first time in their franchise's history, will play up against each other in the playoffs. I didn't think I would be so excited for a Florida ice hockey matchup, but this one has got me fired up. And Tampa Bay actually is the underdog in this game. The Florida Panthers have been red hot. That Tampa Bay blue line not looking so great. But I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one. I've been riding them all season long, and they've done really well for me. So Tampa Bay money line at plus 118 up against the Panthers. Then let's go to the other matchup of that division. Carolina Hurricanes up against the Nashville Predators. The Hurricanes, this is a big year for them. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. They want to head into the playoffs feeling good, especially up against the team they're going to be facing. So I'm taking the Carolina Hurricanes money line at minus 137. 
put $10 in and you're going to win $27.71. Let's get going on that. Get ready for the playoffs. You want some action on sports. Doesn't have to be just hockey, guys. We're a hockey podcast, but they've got NFL, NBA, MLB, college, fights, horse racing. They got it all. And you can go make your free account today at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Guys, one more time, betonline.ag, promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, Pilsy, I have an amendment to make before we get into this unpopular take. I accidentally said that it was Alexander Dagg that was third in having a hat trick before his 20th birthday, and it was barely before. Turns out it was Alexi Yashin, not Alexander Dagg. I mixed up my early top draft picks for the Sens. Unacceptable. I know, I'm sure you've already told your friends, family, that stat. Well, at least we're catching it before the end. So Tim Stutzler, the youngest Ottawa Senator to record a hat-trick, 19 years, 113 days. Martin Havlat did it in 19 years, 329 days. And it was Alexi Yashin doing it in 19 years and 363 days. That wasn't an unpopular take. It was just factually wrong. But we asked out on Twitter, what is your most unpopular Sense take. I think that we all know mine, but I'll just reiterate it before we get into some of yours of the 60 replies, and you can still have your say. Go check us out at Sense Central on Twitter. You can follow us locked on senators on Instagram. We're trying to grow that account as well. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We always appreciate reviews as well. Tomorrow we'll also have our Sense trivia. If you know the answer, maybe you can leave us a five star review and include the answer in that tweet. That would really go a long way so thank you very much for listening and you're welcome for this take Shane Pinto will be better than Cole Caulfield I was a little scared when Caulfield had back-to-back overtime winners but Pilsy I think that the proof is in the pudding so far so far yeah I mean like the thing is obviously these guys are very young into their NHL careers but such different players too so different. I mean, miles different. And the thing is, yes, Caulfield coming out of the gate hot. Of course, he scores the OT winner against the Sens, just despite uh, Ross Levitan. That's, I'm sure that's the first thing he thought of when he scored that oh, goal. And then he gets another OT goal, so it looks amazing. But it's not like Shane Pinto's been hanging in the reeds, not doing anything. He just had a multi-point night. He's been excellent in the face-off dot. So I think maybe it's unpopular because the NHL uh, hockey Twitter is so high on Cole Caulfield. I mean, he did just win the Hobie Baker and he's looking good. But I think I'm, I'm with you on that one, buddy. I'm with All you right. on the Pinto is better than Caulfield or will we'll be have a better career. NHL career. Exactly. Now, I, th- I think I've made so many unpopular takes. Like, we would have to start the show over and do segment one, two, and three <laughs> on all of them. And we could have Sens fans come on and just mock me uh, outwardly in, in open public. But the thing, I was looking back. Remember at the start of the season, we did, let's, let's do three hot takes that we're going to have for this season. Yep. I look back and found mine, Ross, and they are bad. All three, <laughs> read were, them, read them. <laughs> all three were just the worst takes ever. So hashtag goalie friendly show. Let's start with the goalie one. I predicted that Marcus Hogberg would be the Ooh. best backup goalie in the North <laughs> Division. <laughs> He might be the worst. Uh, boy, I think he, I know, I'm pretty sure he is statistically the worst. Like, he's got to be. So, let's, big swing and a miss on that one. You know, fa- fastball, I thought I could knock that one out of the park. Missed it by a bit. Let's head to my next one. 
Out of all the uh, unrestricted free agents the Sens acquired, Cedric Paquette will be the only re-signed player of that group for this Ottawa Senators. Cedric Paquette, I think, might have been the worst player. First one shipped out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He might have been the worst player brought in. Uh, he reminded me of Gabriel Dumont, a guy I was really not a fan of. So that take was just absolute garbage. And then let's move to my third and final garbage take. Alex Galchenyuk will be a bigger part of this team than people are expecting him to be. <laughs> I mean, he scored one goal. He was in the doghouse most of the year, and the Leafs turned him into a, the greatest reclamation project of this decade. So all three of my hot takes to start the season simmered out, and uh, they're ice cold at this point. Okay, so those are, are just takes that ended up being completely wrong. A lot of the takes that people wrote They were in, unpopular at the time too, Ross. Let me true. tell you that. <laughs> yeah, fair. And that's what hot takes are for. You go out on a limb and that's what sports are all about, making proclamations about things that you have no idea whether it's going to come true or not. So with that, we have some takes are things that happened in the past. Others are future. And I want to start with that. Hollywood underscore sends writes in, we don't need to bring in another top four defenseman. Roll with what we've got. What do you think about that one? I'm, I'm all for that. I think uh, the, the decor is definitely the weakest part of this team right now, but it's also the, I would say, the most invested part of this group, right? Like you've got your biggest investments for that decor slowly growing here. Like they're not ready, but when they're ready, they're going to be arguably the biggest part of why this team is successful or unsuccessful, depending on how they end up turning out. So I think it would be silly to bring in a free agent at a big ticket price. And then Jake Sanderson, he's, he's coming to this team next season. Once he's done at NODAC, he'll be an Ottawa Senator. So you don't need to go and get a guy to be a stopgap for him, I don't think. Brandstrom's already looking NHL ready. Victor Mete was a great pickup. So I don't think the Sens need to add a player here. And the the crop of guys in this unrestricted free agent pool doesn't really entice me other than Dougie. Yeah, Dougie Hamilton's the crown jewel. He's going to get paid. But after that, there's guys like Alec Martinez and like Mike Riley is up there in, in points. For- Boston's going to re-sign him. I don't think, think they so? let him go. Yeah, Mikey Riley, such yeah. a Boston name too. But yeah, he is playing well there. Um, I'm lukewarm on that. I think that if the opportunity comes to bring in a right shot defenseman via trade, I think would be my preference. I know that I've mentioned before Matt Dumba's a guy who I have circled as maybe a guy who's on the way out of, of Minnesota. and you could maybe even offer them one of the young defensemen uh, in terms of that and, and see what you can make out of that trade. So um, I would say if possible, bring in a top four defenseman, but if not, it's not the end of the world just yet. Brochensky writes in, he's a Sen central citizen. He says, I actually like DJ Smith, not a fan of Brown over JBD. And it took too long to play the young guys, but I've really liked his lineups the past two months. I mean, we're right there with you because when you're complaining about the sixth defenseman, clearly the team is doing something right. I think he's, he's learned and that's all you can ask. And I thought that Ian Mendez put it perfectly. And if you haven't heard our episode with him yet on Friday, that was all time. He brought the heat considering you sitting in his car in his driveway. It was, it was awesome to get him on. And he said that DJ Smith at the very least deserves a shot to be the guy to take this group to the next level, because all he's done is show an ability to grow. You know how bad they were on the road last year. I think they won like six games out of 40 or 38, whatever they ended up playing. So the improvement on the road, they're trying to improve on back-to-backs, which I thought they did outside of this weekend. And the ability to 
you know, learn that these vets weren't getting it done. So let's get the young guys in there. I think all in all, you put that together and the DJ Smith to me has done an not excellent. I'll say a good job so far. I give him a B plus in my grades. And I absolutely think he's the guy for at the very least next year. And if he continues to show improvement beyond. Yeah, I agree with you. B plus is a good grade and take out last night's game. The effort wasn't there, but throughout all the other games this season, or at least a major big majority of them, the Sens effort was always there. The talent, meh, not always there, but the effort was always there. And you know what? I think this might've been DJ Smith's plan all along is to have the, like, obviously he wanted those veterans to do better than they did because they were God awful. But look, if those veterans don't block the young guys and the young guys don't have a chip on the shoulder and work harder to beat them, then maybe they're not excelling like they are at the end of the season. Now I'm not saying that's in, in, permanent marker like that is the gospel right there but it, it does play to the fact that all of us were complaining that this isn't the right strategy and now look how it's turned out at the end of the season so I think yes I agree with Ian DJ Smith deserves the chance to bring this team to the next level however I'm gonna stick with my opinion and once they truly are a playoff team like once they're at the point where it's not oh are the Sens gonna make the playoffs when it's like oh, how high up in the standings are they going to be in the season and what's their playoff match going to look like? I think at that point, it might be time to kind of pass the torch on to someone who has more playoff experience and is a bit more of an X's nose guy. But it doesn't make sense to cut DJ Smith short to bring that guy in early. This team plays hard for him, and I think the young core will continue to play hard for him. We know DJ Smith loves Shane Pinto, and that's why I hard disagree with this next one. But David writes in, at Naramol 2, Shane Pinto will play more AHL than NHL games next season. I disagree with that, mostly because of the roster makeup of this team. Like, they, they kind of have to play Shane Pinto at this point, do they not? Like, Chris Tierney is really slipping out of favor. Like, I don't even see him being a part of the NHL roster regularly. I think he's going to be the Mikel Bodker, Artem Anisimov, like, extra guy. The healthy scratch is going to come in and out. And then Colin White has not looked good at the center position. We've been Most of our talks about Colin White have been about shifting him to the wing. So then you're left with Josh Norris as your only centerman there. So I think Shane Pinto is is going to play in the NHL unless he's terrible out of the gate and then they decide to send him to the AHL. But I think he will play more NHL games than AHL. Can't win in the NHL without great centers. And Steve Sens, another Sens Central Citizen, wrote in saying the first Duchesne trade was good and made a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like when you look at where the Sens were and where we thought they were, I guess is a better way of putting it. They were missing a true number one center for a long time. Like they had two, two A, two B types in. You had Turris and Brassard who were managing those roles well, but it's not enough to push you over the edge. And then for what they gave up, they weren't expecting to tank that bad that year. So they weren't, thank God it was lottery protected, but they weren't, uh, they weren't expecting that pick to really be a, a troublesome part of the trade like so for them to get Duchesne and for him he was almost a point per game guy as an Ottawa center like sure he played in some of the most meaningless games in franchise history but he was absolutely on fire in his time in Ottawa and it was the right move to try to make that all-in push but as we know hindsight's 2020 it didn't work out and we're better off for uh, starting the rebuild here so for that trade it was Kyle Turris Shane Bowers a first and I believe a third as well. 
Hammond and, was in there as well. Oh yeah, Hammond was thrown in there. So my my qualm with the trade at the time, yes, you got an upgrade at center, but that still left the Senators with a bit of a hole at center. Now we know that Kyle Turris wasn't going to resign here, and ultimately turned out to be a very good thing that they they moved on before signing that contract, which ended up getting bought out two years later. But I just thought that, yeah, you upgraded the position, but they still needed more depth in that position. So I was always confused why Turris was involved in that trade. I'm sure for financial purposes, it well, made Nashville sense. wanted him. Like Nashville wanted Duchesne, and they ended up right. getting him. But Nashville needed that centerman. Like that was their number one goal. And just quickly, I'll let you finish your point. But with the Kyle Turris thing, I think he w- might have had some of that Ottawa magic that would have helped him a little more. Like, would he have fulfilled a six by six contract? Absolutely not. But I don't think we would have seen such a downgrade. I think he loved playing in Ottawa, and he, he wore his heart on his sleeve here, where which he didn't in Nashville, and he certainly isn't doing in Edmonton. Yeah, and the other part of that, too, is you don't expect the draft pick to be top five when you're acquiring a number one center. So, yeah, at that point, it's still good. And they even were smart enough to put the provision that if the 18-wheeler went off the cliff, they were able to defer the pick. And that's why Brady Kachuk is an Ottawa senator, really. So, without that provision, Sens don't get Brady Kachuk. And then it is a real problem they, well, they then have bowen byram that's what i was gonna say still i, I would take brady kachuk over bowen byram 10 times out of 10 well especially for this team like it may be a different team would go with the bowen byram route and you couldn't blame them but for this team brady is the guy they needed and continue to need it rolls right into matt bosty who wrote in saying the ottawa senators fans are one of the luckiest fan bases over the last 15 years i even rewound the clock to the start of the 1999 season pilsy and there's only 10 teams with a better record than the Ottawa Senators. But not only that, they've had moments, right? The Hamburglar run stands out to me. It always will as just an incredible accomplishment in sports. A goalie with a sub-900 save percentage in the minors comes up and goes 21-2 and to make the playoffs on the last day of the damn season. Like, that is, is truly remarkable. We've seen superstar athletes come through here from Eric Carlson to Daniel Alfredson, to Jason Spezza, to Danny Heatley. Like, Marion Host is going to be in the friggin' Hall of Fame. They drafted him. Sens fans got to enjoy his first five years of his career. Like, there, there's a lot going if you're an Ottawa Senders fan. And then you look at the playoff runs they've had. 2003, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. 2007, the Stanley Cup Finals. And then 2013 was also fun with beating the crap out of Montreal Canadiens in the first round. And then they go to a conference final game seven, double overtime in 2017. So I'd agree that the Sens fans are some of the luckiest in the NHL. I think that's a really interesting one because immediately I, my first thought was he could have tweeted the Ottawa Senators are the most unlucky organization in the NHL. And I could agree with that because Ross, I'm going to bring you back down to earth here. Yes, they went to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, but they lost in double overtime to a gross knuckle puck shot. Uh, Ubergate was an absolute disaster. Melnick saying that he's going to move the team at the outdoor game was uh, not great timing at all. Pierre Dorian, when asked, what is the thing you're most excited about this team? And he said, we are a team. Uh, there, there's just so many. The, well, I mean, it's not trading lucky. stone was his most proud day as general. Yeah, manager. I mean, you had the Randy Lee stuff like that. Oh, we're not gonna get into luck there, but uh, there was a lot of really, really bad moments that this uh, franchise and its fans have had to endure. So yes, they've been incredibly lucky, but I think you could balance that out real quick with the most unlucky stuff that this uh, this team has had to deal with. 
That's fair. But right now, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Sens fan. We're going to end off with this one. Another Sens Central Citizen, Tyler Ray at Defense Minister. Drake Batherson's cool, but Alex Formanton is cooler. Is it realistic to assume that Alex Formanton could have a better NHL career than Drake Batherson? I, well, I mean, we're talking about it, so obviously it is realistic. There, there is a debate to be had. I, like I said, Alex Formanton is my new marked man. Like that, that is my guy now. And uh, when you have a separating attribute like he does with that speed, Connor McDavid esque speed, there's not much that anyone's really going to do to take that away from you. And he's he's so good killing penalties. He's got a nasty side to him. Like, he won't step down from anyone if he's pissed off. Don't get me wrong. I'm not – this isn't a let's knock down Drake Batherson a peg or two. This is let's lift Alex Formanton up a peg or two because I really think he has arrived. And, sure, maybe he's not lighting it up on the score sheet and he's not on that top line. But I really think Alex Formanton is going to be an incredible player for the Ottawa Senators. And at the very least – we can have him on the same level as Drake Batherson. Maybe maybe saying he's going to be a better player would be a stretch. I mean, that's not what Tyler Ray said, where if we're defining cool and cooler, that's a different uh, topic. But I really do think Alex Formanton has a chance to be on par with Drake Batherson for this team. Funny that this is kind of a hot take because they're selected in the same draft, Formanton round two, Batherson round four. So you would think just by their draft status that it would be the other way around. But now Drake Batherson already a top-line NHLer. Formanton, let's see what he can do when he's not playing with Chris Tierney. Putting your fastest forward with your slowest forward is, you know, quite a move. You get but, the zingle on the other side of that, though. I know. Anyways, I would rather him have, like, at least a call in wide, a guy who can move up and down the ice a little bit better. But that's a story for another day. Hey, maybe tomorrow. Thanks for listening, though. We'll be back with Tony Ferrari tomorrow, previewing the Senators' final game of the regular season on Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at Send Central. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.